Up next, veteran and CEO of Remote Health Solutions, Adam Hardage. Think about VIR, um, the virtual exam room, where literally you're not in the hospital with your doctor, but you're connected in virtual reality with your doctor. With everything that you would do in the exam room, you can do it virtually. Imagine doing this with your eyes and other body parts. I mean, it's amazing where technology has taken us and where it would take us in the future. And so when we heard about the company that we're introducing you to today, Remote Health, and it's exactly because everything is done remotely. And um, Adam Hardage is a beast. He's a warrior. He's a soldier. Speak many languages. Serve this country. We respect that. But he just did not leave it on the battlefield. He decided to take it to the battlefield of telemedicine. And he is the CEO of the virtual exam room and much more. And he joins us for this edition of the Armstrong Williams Show. What branch of the military did you serve in? Hey, Armstrong, thanks a lot for having That's me. Smart, Appreciate please. it. I was graduated at the Air Force Academy in 1997 and served in the Air Force until about 9-11. Then I wanted to go to war, so I crossed over to the Army and then spent uh, some years with the Army and then ultimately the intelligence community. Did, it, did you just see too much of veterans being neglected in terms of their health care? and being taken care of? Did you see too many bodies and casualties on the battlefield that you realize that there's just got to be an alternative to going to the hospital? There's just got something has to develop virtually. What led you to sure. the VER? Well, you know, it, it, it's a funny story. Um, the, in 2011, I was in Afghanistan and I woke up one day and I had basically gone blind overnight. Couldn't see, couldn't walk. Um, really? Yeah, it was very strange. So. Uh, there was a series of misdiagnoses. Uh, they thought that I had maybe been uh, been blown up. They thought that I had a traumatic brain injury. Um, I then got misdiagnosed with a brain tumor. Ultimately, I got shipped back to the U.S. and a, a specialist realized that uh, I was an MS patient, multiple sclerosis. He took one look at me, didn't even touch me, anything else, and he said, "Boy, if we would have been able to see you from, you know, anywhere in the world, I could have told you. I could have told you this if somebody would just put me on a video chat with you." And that was, that was kind of, I didn't realize it at the time. And in 2011, that's kind of planted the seed for it. And then fast forward uh, five years and I met the inventor of this amazing new technology called the virtual exam room. And we, uh, we hit it off and we decided to, to go into business together. Did you find something inadequate, or something that was uneasy, or something that became sort of that you felt neglected when you had that remote chat some time ago? that this has to be better if this is going to be the future and I'm going to be the guy that improves it? Yeah, well, it, there's part of that too. I will definitely say, so we've seen, I've seen a lot of, of, you know, guys and gals over the years not come through the other end of, I mean, we've been at war 19 years. Um, it's, there's, we've lost a lot of people along the way and, and there's a lot of people that, that, you know, maybe aren't lost, but, but maybe they, they're suffering from uh, some sort of PTSD some sort of continuing psychological issues, uh, you know, substance abuse, things like that. I mean, those are things we see all the time. And so I know that the telemedicine is really going to be a, a very powerful tool for us to be able to use to leverage the power of, of doctors remotely to, to, to provide care, especially to those veterans and, and other folks that are in maybe rural areas or underserved areas. 
take us, you know, I know uh, our audience can see in the B-roll, they can see the footage of the equipment, but take us to the virtual exam room. Take us there for beginners and help us see it through your eyes exactly how this works. Well, it's it's very straightforward. Um, The the big difference between telehealth and telemedicine, let's start with that because telehealth is a big buzzword these days, right? Telehealth is just the ability to have a video chat or a phone call with your doctor. It's nothing more than that. Telemedicine is the ability to remotely diagnose, and that's what we do. So let's say uh, granddad is having chest pains, and he is an hour and a half away from the hospital, and the ambulance comes to pick him up. Well, is he having a heart attack, or is he having an anxiety attack? We don't know. Is it possible, uh, you know, Betty Sue is having a stroke, or is she having some kind of palsy incident? We don't know. Well, with the virtual exam room, a remotely located ER physician can diagnose that like that. Why is it so efficient and effective? Uh, it's because it's cutting edge uh, telecom technology that uh, instead of instead of this, what makes this different from everything else is instead of uh, doctors saying, hey, let's, let's put an app on an iPad and let's make it do video chat. We had telecom giants design an incredible compression uh, algorithm and capability for video, audio, and data being able to, to cannibalize one single pipe of of uh, bandwidth, if you will, into three different things to where we can transmit video, audio, and voice at very, very low bandwidth, which the military really loves. And then as well, simultaneously push those those diagnostic um, uh, readings across the screen. So, so a doctor sitting in, let's say, a Starbucks, uh, it, you know, sitting on a laptop can speak to the medic in that ambulance who has hooked up granddad to a 12-lead EKG and that ER doc sitting in Starbucks can say, that man is having a heart attack. Do not take him to the ER. Go straight to the cath lab. And he can call the cath lab and say, you guys have an incoming heart attack. You need to spool up right now. Same kind of thing with stroke. So it's incredibly powerful, especially for those who are in the underserved areas, rural communities, outlying. Um, so it's, 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 it's game-changing technology. You know, I, I don't say this to blow sunshine, but I mean, you're truly a renaissance man. The fact <laughs> that, no, it's true. Um, that I'm going to tell my wife. You can have this, well, she may think differently, but, <laughs> and I understand that too. Uh, but talk about the impact of what you've revolutionized has had on people's lives. You know, I, I, I think this technology in general, it's even just starting in the beginning it's just, it's going to change so many things over so many years to come. And, and since the outbreak of this coronavirus in February, well, really started in January, but, you know, we really started paying attention to it as a nation in February. It's changing everything. No, people are not going to go back to sit in the waiting room of the doctor's office. Not, they're not going to go sit in the big waiting room to go sit in the liberal waiting room to go wait for the nurse to come in and take their temperature to then go into another room to go have the doctor come see them for two minutes. Whereas now you can sit down with this thing. We can do your complete vital signs, EKG, remote stethoscope so a doctor can see and listen to a patient's heart, listen to a patient's lung sounds. Uh, we can do all of the diagnostic stuff that we would do in an in-person visit. We can look in your ears. We can remotely intubate you. We can do spirometry test. That's a, a lung capacity test for maybe somebody with COPD. We can re- check your sugars for diabetes. We can do all these things remotely. So there's no need for most of the time to go into the doctor's office. You said earlier in a conversation that this could impact 
COVID-19. I'm sure our national audience wants to understand what that means. Absolutely. Well, so when we talk about COVID-19, uh, the name of the game is isolation and containment, right? right? So that's why we're doing social distancing. That's why the mask wearing, that's why all these other things. Telemedicine is the answer to that. So you can still get the care that you need. So there's a lot of conditions out there that are not being treated right now because primary care docs are not getting visited by patients. Patients don't want to see, don't want to risk it, don't want to go into the hospital. Uh, so they're going to let that, they're going to let that, uh, that diabetes type two that they've had um, deteriorate. They're going to let their weight gain go up and hypertension become a bigger problem. So the name of the game, if it's isolation and containment, I get it, but let's arm these people with technology to actually still be able to get the care that they need. And that care is telemedicine. But there's a second aspect to this. The other thing you need is testing, 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 right? So we are very, very proud to have been selected as the exclusive distributor for the U.S. Defense Department for the only FDA authorized at home saliva based COVID-19 test. So 98% accurate. Uh, Explain the saliva. You yes, sir. Here. Uh, would you rather, would you rather have a nasal swab go up and touch your brain or would you rather spit into a cup? Uh, I've seen people in tears from the nasal swab. Yeah. Swabs. It's, of or, course. or sneeze or cough right. as a result of that. And so, so how does it work? Uh, it's literally uh, a containment, as, I'm sorry, a, a container sample collection kit, which think of it like a test tube, really. It's going to come to you, you spit into it, it's one milliliter of, of saliva. Uh, there's a solution that goes into it, which makes the virus inert, safe to transport. Um, that goes into a biocontainment bag, goes into a box, gets shipped to a lab, lab processes it. Within 24 hours uh, upon receipt at the lab, you know whether or not you have coronavirus to a 97.5%. Uh, you know, um, some of us know what it takes to get a product, especially a product like yours, to the market. And then you casually mention um, your exclusivity with the Department of Defense. I mean, that's no easy feat in order for something like that to happen because you almost go through the the ringer, the ringer, the ringer mm -hmm. before they give you their stamp of approval. Um, you know, yeah. many people are still worried about whether or not the process of finally finding a vaccine yeah. for the COVID-19. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I'm very hopeful for a vaccine. We are, are not a uh, vaccine research company, um, but we're certainly tracking that. Uh, I think there's four aspects to this, right, to, to win in this fight. So isolation containment, use the technology for that. That's telemedicine. Testing, do they have it or do they not? That's at-home saliva-based testing. Uh, that's any of the other testing methods. Antibodies, have they had it before? And then ultimately vaccines. So I don't think we get back to normal until we have some sort of um, really ongoing, well-streamlined well program where people can get tested on a regular basis and know their results. And then you kind of have a rolling ability, whether that's once a week or whatever else. Um, I think I think companies should be trusted to take the kind of responsible actions for their customers and their employees. Uh, I think big government doesn't have one size solution for everywhere. Uh, I what, think what, what do you see as your challenges um, for the virtual eye exam and your remote health solutions going forward? Yeah, so for our, our virtual exam room, I would say, um, Challenges are really just in, in supply chain and manufacturing because uh, when you talk about a global problem that has 8 billion people that it affects, 
um, the supply chain becomes an issue pretty quickly. So, so you just production-wise. So the manufacturing, if mm -hmm. we're here on this saw, certainly. Mm -hmm. And this is something that has happened as a result of COVID-19. Uh, our government is encouraging more manufacturing yes. on, 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 on American saw. What about the costs associated mm -hmm. with I th virtual exam room? Right. Um, I think I think the costs associated with locating, um, U or locating manufacturing back in the U.S. is something that the U.S. is just going to have to underta undertake. Because mm -hmm. right now, the fact that 98 or 97 percent of all antibiotics are made in, in China and India is just totally unacceptable. The fact that my 21-month-old uh, son who is prone to ear infections, uh, that he may not have amoxicillin available to him or Seftoner or one of the other antibiotics because uh, China decides to hold us hostage, it's not acceptable. Uh, and, and I think that we have a, an administration that, that understands that and is pushing hard to bring that American manufacturing back. So, What about this product, making sure that it gets this virtual exam room, it gets to undeserved communities? Um, yes, that is a very, very, very big push. And we have been trying to work very diligently with the, with the Veterans uh, Affairs Organization and then as well HHS and some of the other entities. But truthfully, we're still at the educational process because there's a big confusion at whether it's at the highest levels of CMS, HHS, CDC, FEMA, any of the other federal agencies. Most of them don't even understand the difference between telehealth and telemedicine. Whereas telemedicine is absolutely key. And I'll tell you too, one of the areas where we really, really shine and help is with, a, with what we call our Ever Home device. So that's a, a tablet that goes home with some Bluetooth peripherals where a patient in their home, and we use this for chronically ill Medicare patients all the time. Um, we're talking, when we say chronically ill, we're maybe talking about patients with four or five comorbidities, you know, type two diabetes, hypertension, obesity, depression, COPD, um, these are, are, are patients that need an ongoing care program. And so we'll do remote patient monitoring and chronic care management where we check in with them every single day. And you know what? We're located in Richmond, Virginia, but my patient is in Wyoming or Utah or California or Arizona, you know? Um, so it's, it's an amazing ability to reach out and touch those people, especially um, those who are in either underserved or underconnected communities, right? Meaning that have no internet service. Right. None. And I mean, it's not just for undeserved communities yeah. that don't have um, the internet connection. You have some very wealthy neighborhoods mm -hmm. in this country that don't have internet connection. What uh, percentage of the country do you cover now? I have, honestly, I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, we're, we're a national organization, but- So you cover, it's nationally. Sure. And how do people learn more about your- Sure. Your telemedicine. Yeah, I invite everybody who's interested to, to go to our website. It's simply rhsusa.com. rhsusa.com. Yep. Uh, we, we have a ton of videos available on our YouTube channel, Remote Health Solutions as a company. Uh, we're on all the social media platforms. Uh, all the links are there from our homepage on our website. And then as well, um, COVID-19 testing is available directly for purchase uh, by businesses and government anywhere in the world uh, today and now. And they can actually buy that straight off of our website. You know, in, in my business, you know, being a broadcast owner and also a host, you know, I get to ask the questions. But in asking the questions, sometimes I realize at the end of the interview, well, maybe there's something, especially when you have an innovator like yourself, that you want to say that I've not asked you. And in closing, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about whatever you want to talk about 
that we've not addressed through my line of questioning to you today. Sure, no, I, I appreciate that. And again, Armstrong, thanks a lot for having us. Thanks a lot for taking the time and the interest. Uh, I will just say that um, from my perspective, if we look forward, uh, leveraging technology that is here now today and understanding that and understanding that the world is changing before our eyes very much. I, I don't, after coronavirus, we never get back to normal, normal, the way things were. So if that's the case, we need to learn to adapt and, and, and you know, adjust our businesses, adjust our practices, our daily lives, things like that. Otherwise, we will get left behind because the innovators are already looking at that. And they're saying, well, if this is, you know, if reality is going to be this, then how do I, as a business person, either adjust, adapt, you know, change, evolve, whatever else, in order to, to keep up with, with the changes that are coming? So I, I would say that technology is here, the testing is here, the vaccine is coming. That's going to be an interesting play when that starts to get closer. Um, I would say adapt or die. <laughs> well, Adam Hardage, it's, it's been my pleasure um, talking to you today. I really encourage our listeners to go to your website. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Strongcast. 